0: Let's pray as we turn our attention to God's Word. God, we thank You and we praise You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You that we can be together to worship today, to hear from You. Lord, we ask and pray that You'd work by Your Spirit now and that You would bring growth and transformation in our lives. Lord Jesus, we desire to live lives that please You and we know that that won't happen apart from the work of Your Spirit. And so we pray for it, Lord. We pray Your blessing on this time now. In Jesus' name all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Jonathan was preaching about uh, creating a a spirit-driven community. And if you didn't hear Pastor Jonathan's message, I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. It's a fantastic message. It would be worth listening to again. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about a foundational principle that supports everything that we do to build a spirit-driven community. And to start off with, I, I need a couple of volunteers. Oh, I've already got two. One more? Do I have a, do I have a third? All right, come on up. So we've got some tea here, and I want you to taste it cold. I make no promises about whether or not it's it's any good. Alright, but here's, there's just two catches for this before you taste the tea. Uh, Number one is you have to put a spoonful of something into the tea before you can drink it. Okay? Either a spoonful of sugar or a spoonful of salt. That's your choice. You can put whichever one you want, but at least one, let's say two. Let's say two spoonfuls in, and, and you. the second rule is, is you have to taste whatever you fix. You have to at least take a drink. You okay with that? Okay, but don't worry. I've clearly marked the bag so you'll know which one is which. S is for sugar, and S is for salt. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> salt... And sugar, it's clearly marked. Oh, it's, it's broken. Um, no, it's clearly marked. The spoon is inside. This is the sugar, so there's no mistake. And this is the salt. So go ahead, take a spoonful, either one, mix it in. Go, go ahead. Mix it in, mix it in real good. Did you get one or two? I got like one and a half. One and a half? You went big. <laughs> Don't spit it out. It's
1: not that bad. It's not that bad? No, you kind of like
0: it. How is it? It's not bad. It's pretty good. I not what do you think it is? I think it's white sugar. <laughs> you don't trust your pastor? No, <laughs> Where's Juan? Brother, we got some work to do. <laughs> okay, all right, question time. It is salt. You thought I was tricking you. Next time, I'm going to just dump it in. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Okay, question. You put salt in, you put sugar in, and what did you put in? Sugar. Why did you guys choose sugar? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, because normally, I don't know if you heard that, normally in tea or coffee, sugar tastes good. Yeah. Right. I agree with you. Why the salt? I just was very curious to see what it would taste like. Just curious to see what it would taste like. <laughs> and it's been sitting at the bottom, now I could taste it. I now know. you can taste it. It yeah. kind of has like a nasty yeah. aftertaste. Okay, give them a big round of applause. It's pretty obvious, right? If you want something to taste sweet, you add sugar. If you want it, something to taste salty, you add salt. If you want it to taste chocolatey, you add chocolate. This is not a difficult concept. You, you get out what you put in. Or, we could say, you reap what you sow. That is the principle that we want to look at today. You get out what you put in, you reap what you sow. This, this concept is, is something that we understand. We never take it for granted when it comes to cooking, but we don't always remember it so well when it comes to other things. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10 this morning. That is our text. And listen to what Paul says to the Galatians. <clears throat> he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. We want to talk about this principle today, you, sow, or you reap what you sow. Sowing and reaping. And the message for us this morning is simple. Sow to the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. First we're going to look at the, the principle. You reap what you sow. We see this in verse 7. This isn't talking about sowing clothes, This is talking about sowing seeds. You grow what you plant. A a seed can only reproduce its own kind. So, question for you if you sow cucumber seeds, what are you going to reap? Cucumbers. Cucumbers. (laughs) Cucumbers. Spoiler alert, the answer's on the screen. (laughs) Just in case you didn't know. All right, if you plant peas, what are you going to reap? Exactly. No one ever sowed corn and reaped barley. Nobody ever sowed wheat and reaped potatoes. You always reap what you sow. There's no exceptions to this, and we never question this law when it comes to sowing and reaping in the natural world. But this principle is equally true in the spiritual realm. You reap what you sow spiritually. But we often ignore this fact. That's why Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And we are likely to be deceived, not only because we're bombarded by lies from the culture, but because our own hearts are deceitful. We deceive ourselves. And this is one of the oldest and most common lies. It's the lie that I can get away with it. Whatever it happens to be. That I can sin without being held accountable to God. That you can safely ignore this principle is to make a a mockery of God. It's to mock God. Don't be deceived into thinking that you're somehow going to be the exception to the rule and avoid the consequences of your actions. Thinking that you can sow one thing and reap another thing. We can't sow evil and reap good. No one ever sowed laziness and reaped great accomplishments. Nobody ever sowed prayerlessness and reaped great power. God's Word is clear. Those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same, Job 4.8. The wicked sow the wind and reap the whirlwind, Hosea 8-7, but those who sow for themselves righteousness reap steadfast love, Hosea ten twelve. The Bible says those who reject God's way shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. The Bible is telling us that the way that we live is going to produce fruit and we're going to eat our fill of that fruit, whatever it is. It's the same principle stated in a different way. You're gonna eat your fill of your own devices. So I I need some more volunteers. This time I need three or four dads to come up here with one of their kids. Sure, yeah, you come on up. No. Just just grab a kid and come up here, Rob. It's like so complicated. Well that's I don't know if that's gonna work, but we'll try. Can he eat something? Okay. Alright, you're you're your call. That's fine with me. So here's what I got, dads. I've got a rock and a piece of chocolate for each one of you. So dads, I want you to put those behind your back, mix them up, make sure your kid can't see which one is which. Now, you kids, in just a second, you're going to choose a hand from your dad. He's going to put both his hands out there, and you're going to choose one of them. And whatever hand you choose, you have to eat what's inside of it. Okay. Now, choose carefully because I don't want you to break your teeth today. That'd be bad. All right? Now, dads, question for you. Do you want your child to eat a rock? No. No. <laughs> Rob, I felt like there was some hesitation there from you, brother. I felt like the answer would have came just a little quicker, but maybe that's expecting too much. Okay. No, you don't want them to eat a rock. It's very obvious. Why don't you want them to eat a rock? Because that's bad. That's bad. That's all you have to say is it's it's bad. All right, now, Dad's last instruction for you, before your kids choose a hand, I want you to tell them which hand the chocolate is in. Now, you kids, do you think that your dad wants you to eat... A rock Do you trust your dad Again hesitation from the Reno family Wow All right, let's do this. Hands out. I'm not sure I don't know how this is going to go. This He's like I don't even know what's going on right now. Okay, pick a hand. Why did you choose the hand that you chose? Because I trust you to give me chocolate and not a rock. Yes. Amen. Right? The ultimate reason is you trust your dad. Right? Obviously, you don't want to eat a rock. You want to eat chocolate. But you trust your dad to tell you what is good. Right? And in the same way, we have a Heavenly Father who tells us what is good. Tells us the way to go and if we trust him we will benefit and be blessed by that right give them a round of applause you guys can go sit down we need to trust our Heavenly Father and listen to his voice he speaks the truth to us and when we follow his ways, It leads to what is good and best in our lives. It's better to listen and trust than go our own way. It's the same way of stating the same principle. You reap what you sow. You get out what you put in. You eat your fill of your own devices. That's the principle. Let's look at the explanation. We sow to the Spirit and not the flesh. We see this in verse 8. We're going to eat the fruit of our own ways, good or bad. Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We're always sowing. Always. The only question is, what are we sowing and where? Now this principle does not contradict the gospel of grace. Because Jesus sowed perfect righteousness when He was here on earth. And He reaped eternal life, which He gives to those who trust in His finished work. We reap eternal life because we're united to Christ by faith. But having been saved by grace, the believer sows to the Spirit. For saved by grace, we sow to the Spirit. The fruit of a Spirit-led life is the evidence of genuine faith. Now, we're not going to reap the ultimate consequences for our sin, which is death and judgment, because Jesus already reaped those for us. But we still reap earthly consequences. We can suffer physical death and other earthly consequences for our sin. Things like pain, regret, heartache, loss, and all different kinds of trouble. So this law of sowing and reaping still operates in the lives of believers. When we sin, though, we experience godly guilt, which is meant to lead us to repentance and forgiveness and back to Jesus Christ and walking with Him. We find forgiveness and strength in Christ to help us walk by the Spirit. What's sowing to the flesh? Well, it's seeking to gratify your sinful desires. It's all the things listed in in Galatians 5, 19-21, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Let me read it again. The works of the flesh are evident... Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. It's pretty straightforward, but it, it, it's... It's everything from blatant sin to just not caring about the things of God. To sow to your flesh is to give in to your desire for sin rather than rejecting it. To to sow to the flesh is to to pander, to, to stroke, to cater to your sin rather than to crucify it by the Spirit, to put it to death in your life. So every time we choose to put others down or boast about ourselves or wallow in self pity, we're sowing to the flesh. When we allow ourselves to overeat or oversleep or watch worthless movies or look at porn or continue to do what we know is sin, we're sowing to the flesh. Every time we give in to anger or hold a grudge or entertain lust or assume the worst about someone, we're sowing and sowing and sowing to the spirit or to the flesh. Sowing to the flesh leads to corruption. No one ever sowed to the flesh and reaped holiness or eternal life. The corruption applies uh, even in our lives as believers. We're not going to face the corruption of death eternal, but we can suffer the consequences in this life. But you'll remember... That if you're living a life where you're practicing this kind of a life, a life of sin, a life of the works of the flesh, where you're sowing to the flesh, and that's the pattern of your life, Paul says, if you live that way on a consistent basis, unrepentant, that's the pattern of your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you're not saved by works, but you're not saved without them either. As Martin Luther said, we're saved by faith alone, but the kind of faith that saves is never alone. Faith in Jesus Christ always results in good works. That's the evidence of our faith and our salvation. So it leads to corruption, but thankfully there's another way to sow, sowing to the Spirit. That's the same as walking by the Spirit. When you do, you're not going to gratify the flesh you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. It's listening to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit comes throughout your day and tells you, this is the way, walk in it. Don't go that direction, go this direction. When you listen to the Holy Spirit guiding you in God's truth, you're sowing to the Spirit. Whenever we think or say or do anything to please and honor God, we're sowing to the Spirit. It's being led by the Spirit, abiding in Christ and His Word. And the ultimate end of such... A life is eternal life. Again, no sin can separate a believer from your life in Christ. But any sin can prevent you from enjoying your life in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is the blessings that we reap when we sow to the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These things and others are the, the blessings that we reap. So what's involved then with sowing and reaping? Well, first it takes wisdom. The farmer has a choice of what he plants in his fields. And we have a choice in what we plant in our lives. And that makes me ask the question, what am I sowing? Am I sowing gratitude to God? Am I sowing dependence on God? Am I sowing purity and faithfulness? Am I sowing service for God and others? Am I sowing contentment? Am I sowing hope in God for my future? Am I sowing humility and hard work? Am I sowing patience and kindness? Am I sowing love for God and others? Am I sowing the Bible and prayer? Am I planting that seed in my life? Am I sowing the gospel in my life and in the life of other people? We choose what we sow. Second, it takes effort. You actually have to till the soil and plant the seeds and water them and weed them and harvest them. And so that means that reaping, harvesting, it's going to take some effort on our part. Like Paul says to Timothy, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have his first share of the crops. Most of you here, I think, know what the spiritual disciplines are. Bible reading... Prayer, fasting, memorizing Scripture, serving others, all these things. Oftentimes what we're missing is the discipline part. We know what they are, but we're missing the effort, the discipline part. We have to at some point resolve to make the sacrifice of time and effort to be disciplined. Third, it takes dependence on God. The farmer sows and He weeds and He waters, but ultimately it's God who gives the growth. He can put in all the effort He wants, but only God can make it grow. I grew up in a family of farmers. I've got several uncles who are farmers. And let me tell you, they work hard. And when they're not working hard, they're usually talking about the weather. Because no matter how hard they work, they're still dependent on the weather. They're still dependent on God. So they work hard, but they also trust deeply. We do too when we sow. We work hard, but we trust God. We depend on Him because only God can give the growth. Amen? And fourth, it takes patience. The Puritan John Brown said, Many Christians are like little children. They would sow and reap in the same day got a little soil here and a little packet of tomatoes. If I can... Well, that's harder to open than I thought. There's got to be a trick to this. All right, let's just imagine that I opened this. (laughs) And I have a seed in my hand. Should I try my key? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, never mind, I got it. Oh, oh oh I totally made a mess of that. Oh they're little. You can tell I'm I've got a real green thumb. Okay, I've got my seed here. I think I got like six. And I'm just gonna plant them. Alright, I've you can there's actual dirt in there. You see that? All right, so. Just give it a minute. I'm sure something's happening right now. Okay. We sow in the morning, and we expect that by lunch, we're going to have this. This is why I start with those in the real garden. I don't start with that. I start with that. So we sow that in the morning. We think we're going to have this by lunch, and by dinner, we think we're going to have this. Right? That's what we think. I looked it up. It actually takes between 70 and 100 days to go from a tomato seed to like when you actually harvest it. (laughs) Of course I wash them. I'm not a heathen. A hundred days. That's like two or three months. Right? Who has that kind of time? We grow impatient. Right? We want to plant and we expect to, to harvest in the same day. But there's always a delay between the sowing and the reaping. That's why it's so deceptive. When we sow to the flesh... And nothing really terrible happens right away, we think we've gotten away with it. Because there's always a delay. We don't reap in the same season that we sow. That's why it's so deceptive. But on the other hand, when we sow to the Spirit and we don't see the fruit, we don't see the harvest right away, what happens? We get discouraged. We get tired of of sowing when we don't see immediate results. And so it means we have to be patient. Patient with other people when we're sowing seeds, but also patient with ourselves. Right? Patient with ourselves. It means we shouldn't give up when we don't see immediate results in the lives of other people, but also in our, ourselves. And that's why Paul encourages us in verse 9. He gives us the encouragement. Saying, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Man, we need that encouragement, don't we? We need that because we do grow weary. We grow weary because doing good is hard work. It consumes our time and our energy. We grow weary when we don't see the results. That's discouraging. It's hard to wait, especially in our microwave culture when we are used to instant gratification. Hard when we don't see those results. We get weary because of the enormous need around us. It's so overwhelming. Amen? We grow weary because of the resistance that we face from the very people we're trying to help, <laughs> whether it's our kids, our co workers, or complete strangers. We grow weary in the spiritual battle. Just wears us down. We grow weary because doing good is often a thankless job. It goes unappreciated. We grow weary, don't we? That's how we feel. But this is what we need to remember. The harvest is coming. That's the encouragement for us. The encouragement to persevere in doing good is this promise of harvest. God says, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Keep sowing to the Spirit and you will reap if you don't give up. Yes, it takes effort and patience to maintain a godly marriage. It takes effort and patience to be a godly parent. It takes effort and patience to practice the spiritual disciplines. We get worn out, but the encouragement is if we press on in doing good, in due season, we will reap. Amen? Amen. If, 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 if we don't give up. And so then we get to the application in verse 10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's the application. Don't grow weary or give up, but press on in doing good to others, especially other Christians, in the strength of the Spirit, by the power of God. Making the most of the time... Not wasting it. The word opportunity here translates the Greek word kairos, which means time or period of time. This isn't about the occasional opportunities that pop up in your life here and there. This is talking about using the time that God has given you on this earth for doing good. And our time is limited, so invest it well. Now is primarily, not exclusively, but primarily a time for sowing. Yeah, we reap, we harvest in this life, and praise God that we do, but the ultimate harvest is still to come. You parents, over time, these seeds that you are planting in the lives of your kids are going to bear good fruit. To a great extent, the person that we become, the character that we have, is the product of our upbringing, the seeds that are planted early in life. That's why it's so important to be constant in discipling your children, leading them in family worship or family devotions. All those seeds that you're planting in their lives right now, they're all going to grow up and they're going to bear fruit in their life. So don't grow weary. Continue to sow. Make the best use of the time. I was thinking about it. its graduation this month, and I'm guessing that there are some parents who are thinking, man, it is crazy that my son or my daughter is graduating high school and moving on to the next phase of life. And your role shifts in their life, but your role is still vital in their life and possibly more challenging than it's ever been. So whatever season you're in, whether you have little kids or older kids, continue to sow. Continue to sow and don't grow weary. Make the best use of the time. You teens, you young people here today, the habits that you are sowing into your life right now are going to produce who you are in the future. Those things are going to grow up And you're going to reap those things. All these numerous little decisions that you are making right now, all these little choices that you're making are going to add up. So, when you make the choice to, to get up and read your Bible and have your personal devotion rather than sleeping in, when you choose to obey your mom and dad when they ask you to do something, when you choose to be a person who encourages and, and builds up the faith of the people around you, all these little decisions that you are making they're all seeds that you are planting in your life, and it's building the person who you are going to become. Habits are like trees. They're strengthened with age. So even a a tiny little kid can bend an oak when it's a sapling. But a hundred men couldn't move it once it's full grown. That's a picture of me and Aviana and Titus at Royal Oak Farm. Giant oak tree at this apple orchard. There's no way we're moving that thing. What's the point? Uh, the point is, is that you're sowing habits into your life right now, whether good or evil. You're either growing closer to or further from God. And if you want to stand firm in this culture as an oak of righteousness, Isaiah 61.3, then you need to sow seeds and develop the habits of godliness now while you're young. The more that we sow, the more that we reap. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Do you want a big harvest? Do you want a big harvest? (laughs) Sow bountifully. Sow bountifully. Don't give up. I'm going to leave you with some encouragement as we close. Number one, it's never too late. I said before, we're always sowing. That's a given. So it's never too late to start uprooting weeds, tilling the garden of your life, and to begin replanting good seeds that will grow up and bear fruit. Second, faithfulness equals success. Our part's to be faithful in planting the seeds. It's God's responsibility to bring the growth, to make them bear fruit in our lives and in the lives of others. If only God can give the growth, then then success isn't defined by the outcome. It's defined by faithfulness in what God has called you to do. Faithfulness equals success. So depend on God. Trust in Him. Third, God intends to use you in the lives of other believers. Verse 1 talked about uh, restoring people in a spirit of gentleness. Verse 2 talks about bearing each other's burdens. Verse 10 talks about doing good to everyone, including other Christians. God has put your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors in your life, and He wants to use you in their lives. That's an encouragement, brothers and sisters. Listen, the question. I don't know if God wants to use me. Yes! He does. Will God use me if I do this? Yes, He will. God wants to use you in the lives of the people around you. Man, what an encouragement that is. If you sow to the Spirit in your life and in the lives of those around you, God will use you. It's guaranteed. And that leads to number four. You will reap if you don't give up. That's a promise. God assures us if we continue in the Lord's ways and the Lord's work, we're going to reap in due time. You will bear good fruit if you sow to the Spirit. And because we're not farmers, I feel like we need to be reminded that when you harvest, you always reap more than you sow. Finally, God's grace is all sufficient for this. So we depend on the strength and grace that the Spirit provides we pray Lord please help me have the strength to do good so we have to expect that we are going to reap what we sow if you want to reap a good harvest then sow to the Spirit because God promises in due time you will reap let's pray God we thank you and we praise you for your word we thank you for your Spirit we thank you for this promise that you want to use us and I just pray for each one of us that you would help us to sow to the Spirit. God, for those who are weary in doing good here today, I pray that you'd encourage their hearts from your Word, Lord. I pray that you'd encourage them to press on, to persevere in doing good, that they would not give up. Lord, there's so many different things that cause us to be weary, and I just pray, God, that you'd encourage our hearts today to persevere in doing good, to sowing to the Spirit. Lord, we trust you. We trust that you are bringing a harvest in the future. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.